Welcome to the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs, bringing you from zero to 60 in the non-fungible token world without breaking the bank, with your hosts, Andrew, aka Rantum, and George from Mostly Stable on Zed Run, who will help you navigate new projects, interview expert guests, and explore NFT trends. So whether you're on your first or 50th NFT, we're going to have something for you. And as a quick note, we are not, I repeat, not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Alrighty, disclaimer over, let's get to it. Today on All About Affordable NFTs, we're talking about the value of CC0, Creative Commons Zero, and brand building. Excited to get into that one, but first one, Andrew, what do we see in the news? Yeah, let's see. Let's take a look at what's happening. We've got some, we've got Decentraland Fashion Week. Let's see. I don't know the specific dates of this, but we've got a handful of, you know, traditional clothing brands getting involved with this. I've noticed Tommy Hilfiger, Estee Lauder. So a lot of uh, names from, you know, traditional um, fashion that are getting involved. And, you know, and there's uh, a case to be made that maybe that will not be the way that this this kind of works out that those end up being the most successful brands of the metaverse. Uh, it's an article here from Decrypt that talks about how Nike has already acquired Artifact by and sees that they need a different brand, a, a brand that see that is metaverse first, understands what is popular, how to uh, create things that work in this world versus the uh, physical world. So interesting that they have this uh, fashion week. I'm curious to see, you know, what comes out of this and how, who, who impresses the most, you know, I'm not typically into a fashion week like that, but I am, I'm curious, you know, I think tech is a big part of this and that's going to uh, play a big role here. Yeah. I mean, I don't quite understand it, the title of why big brands won't rule fashion in the metaverse. I just, I disagree with actually, I, I think what's going to happen is if anyone gets, I don't know, say really good at doing shoes on, let's say the metaverse that I don't know, a company like Nike is just going to buy them. Like we have just seen. Right. It's, it's just and we a know self-fulfilling profits. Brands. But yeah. I, I, they're generally good at being really good at brands and fashion brands, especially it's not that they necessarily have uh, a superior technology in making clothes at this point. I mean, I guess you could argue that Nike uh, is more technology uh, driven than maybe some other fashion labels, but you know, I don't know. I, I, we'll see how it plays out. I, I see that there could definitely be metaverse native brands that have a, a leg up on traditional brands, but those are still going to end up being folded into those same, same big money, big brands. Fair. Yeah. Oh gosh. This is a tough one. Satoshi Island. So it's official that there is now an NFT slash crypto paradise in the Pacific ocean, just off the coast of Australia. I believe the name is creatively being called Satoshi Island, and they finally got approval to do this. How do you feel about it? You know, I, I don't know a whole lot about it. It sounds ridiculous. I wasn't, I had to actually see the headline a couple times to realize that, oh, this is a real island that people are planning to really open. I believe in 2023, they have plans to have people live there. You know, we'll see if that actually happens. That sounds like one of those things that may be pushed back indefinitely. So why is this needed? I'm, I'm not quite clear on that. What is this doing that isn't being done right now? I think it's, if I'm being just sort of from what I see honest, is that yeah. it's feeding into this Bitcoin maxi ideology 
of if only we could redraw the lines and redo wealth distribution to the random, very sort of select group of people that happen to believe in Bitcoin early and believe that that's the only true way. And it is truly more religion, I think, than currency at this point and sort of building their I'm not going to go maybe echoes of Jonestown on this, but it's a little intense to say, like, we're just going to draw a border and try to create our own, like, rich paradise. I don't think it does well for an overall crypto brand to have that type of, you know, only the wealthy can live here and the, you know, the anointed. It rubs me the wrong way. And I, I'm a fan of crypto. Yeah. I assume it means you have to only buy things that you very large purchases and it takes a very long time to transact and all of the oh ironically they're also saying like nft i i will say they're saying all property in the island will also be nft driven i assume that means ethereum is but yeah maybe they'll do it on the uh, on bitcoin what is the platform was the stacks platform yeah that that could be it but yeah i don't know about it's well we'll see what happens with this it sounds like one that is getting a lot of headlines people will like to look at and uh, I don't know, I may not, may not actually come to be. Who knows? Yeah. It smells a little fire festival to me. Yeah. All right. Good we've luck. got, let's see, SoftBank. We've got them again. I feel like we've talked about them a handful of times recently. They have their hands in everything tech and they are, let's see, launching a NFT marketplace because everybody has to. They're doing this with Line. It's a social media platform in Japan. So Japan, we haven't seen a ton of adoption from the Japanese culture in general, it would seem with NFTs, um, which is somewhat surprising because there are so many Japanese collectibles that have gone very mainstream. So I think it is a, you know, it's a great opportunity. I don't know much about the line platform other than it is popular in Japan. So I don't know how much of a, uh, of a branch out this is for them to integrate NFTs. Yeah. Interesting that they've, they've chosen that market and that approach, but soft banks are around a lot of money. You sure do. All right. We've got someone from your neck of the woods, your stable area. What do we got here, George? That's right. So Pegasi or Pegaxi, depending on how you read and choose to say it, has done a pretty bold move by taking out, as I say, a hard line on violation of policy. They blocked an individual, one of the guilds, Lone Wolf Guild, that had 1,600 pegas as well as 2.7 million biz, which is a lot. Well, I mean, it's 17,000 and a half, which is a lot in the ecosystem of this game. And it's because that they were promoting a tactic that was not allowed, which is using multiple browsers and wallets to race and rent more pegas than you're technically allowed with a maximum of three from what they call scholars. It's play to earn. And, you know, I've, I've watched them, they ban, they ban people that bought and they, they take a very close eye to it and they really don't let it. So overall, I think, you know, positive for the community, I feel, you know, bad for him because it like, it was something that he said wasn't necessarily doing directly, but was promoting this black hat tactic. And, you know, there you go. It sends a shot across the bow and uh, takes a lot of visit out of the market for sure. Yeah. I guess that's probably good for viz holders. Um, I heard some, or I read some comments about this and people seem to seem to think that this holder was maybe also dumping a lot of this and maybe having an influence on the price. So, you know, I think it's good for the, for other holders for them to take action. It is pretty drastic. You know, hopefully it is a, a fair um, way to do this. You know, there is a, you know, there's a danger when they start taking these actions and that, you know, 
it's fine if, if the community or everybody, if you're on the right side of this, if you do feel like there is some gray area there and you're towing the line, you know, that gets, uh, that's where it gets a little dicey and you don't know, you can't always say that it's going to be this easy to say that they definitely should be banned. You know, I'm glad that it, it seems to be the right move in this situation, but I certainly don't think that's always going to be the case. Just a reminder, are you playing on a centralized or decentralized platform? And if there is a gatekeeper, they basically say, you know, your chips are no good here. And just because it's an NFT doesn't mean that it is uh, decentralized and universally accessible and doesn't have to play by rules. And that's very true, certainly in games with economies in them. Yeah, yeah this one so I assume this holder could still access a marketplace and, and sell, sell their pieces, right? Or are they banned so from the marketplace as well? So here's what happens when they do this, like your account and your ability to sort of trade. Now I'm, I'd be hard pressed to say like, have they blocked? I don't know how they blocked that viz. They probably blocked it from plane. So there was probably a standing claim that they can shut off. But if there's standing viz in the wallet and also those pegas are in uh, that wallet, they can try to flip them on a looks rare or open or other market. But when you bring that asset, whoever buys that asset and brings it in there, that pega is blocked. Can't enter. You click it, don't work. You try to submit, no go. And It'll be so interesting it's what happens because you figure out. that somebody will end up with some of these assets, and you know okay. it won't necessarily be their own fault that uh, it can't be played. So hopefully there is a way for those to be unbanned for new owners, and you know that it, it's tough to say that uh, the, those pegas should forever be uh, banned just because of the owner. But you know it's a tough, tough way to a uh, tough way to regulate the market or, or tough market to regulate when you have to worry about the help of it and the idea that it is should be somewhat decentralized in that if people are going to put that much into it they want to know that they can get their assets out it's a good reminder also to buy from the source if you're looking at any game and in the past you know we noted if you're going to jump in ape into pegaxi which now by the way the floor on pegas went from an astounding i think it was like 1700 for an unraised to it's now 60 bucks or it's like 100 bucks for an unraised pacer so hmm. the floor has collapsed. Echoes of utterly Zed. <laughs> and completely, huh? Echoes of Zed, I would. Echoes of Zed. Yeah, right? Like, you know, don't buy what you can breed. Remember that lesson? Like, that was the lesson and that was very true. But, that, you know, Miz went, which is the native token there, you know, it was at a high of 26 and it's trading at like 0.6 of a penny, right? So it's fallen quite considerably, but, you know, I wouldn't count this team out over there. They're amazing developers and they just develop at a pace that is breathtaking. So I think they got more, more aces up their sleeve and, you know, I'm still, I'm not buying, I did buy a, a founding bega because it was falling down in price and I was like, oh, you know, I can't breed a new founding one. So I was like trying to pick up their Genesis pieces, but it's a weird time to be in it. I'll say that. All right. One more bit of news here. We've got NFT LA. There's actually a handful of events going on in LA, but wasn't a big or widely promoted event like NFT LA or NYC, but there is, there are a handful of things going on. Let's see, by the time you listen to us, I think this may have just happened. I know some of the, some of the events that were going on, Colby was going, I just listened to a Twitter spaces with him talking about a new metaverse that he's releasing with, along with Mona and async art. And uh, let's see, XCopy is also involved in that one. So they're going to be doing some demos of that down in LA. There's a, something at the Super Chief Gallery. It's a big gallery that uh, had us both 
places in both New York and LA, but do a lot with uh, digital art, NFTs. So handful of things going on down there. It's, I think it's great for NFTs to get in real world, uh, in real life ex uh, experience for people to be able to come together and see this and also start uh, growing it beyond this idea that it's just a bunch of, you know, leaps on your phone or whatever. Yeah. Uh, super interesting. And, and, you know, I like seeing those IRL, like, there's just so many conferences. We were, it's so funny. We were trying to track all these conferences and they just exploded. There's like one every week and just uh, yeah, they, uh, people beyond are, the capacity, I'd say for us to yeah, track. Yeah. There's a lot of things coming together right now for that to happen, right? People just looking for reasons to get together and, and NFTs are a great reason right now. Awesome. All right. Let's roll into our affordable projects, something that I found and also, also in the news, can we pull up the uh, crypto.com, right? Crypto.com is falling in with the FIFA for the 2022. Right. Get that one. Yeah. 2022 Olympic, not Olympic, what am I saying? World Cup, not Olympic, World Cup. Um, that's happening in November, which is, you know, huge partnership international audience just like viewership through the freaking moon i mean if you're not a soccer fan fine but world cup brings a lot of attention to the game and there's gonna be a huge nft component as a part of this and you know that's the sort of like that's the next super bowl in my mind of mass collective attention on a topic which leads me to my Affordable project play, which is Wrapped Strikers, and it's a collection on OpenSea. And originally, it was the 2018, yeah, uh, 2018 World Cup, where it was technically the first NFT sports card project on Ethereum. So it's checking one box, which is I'm like trying to find old freaking projects that are the first of its kind, and this is you know reportedly the first card on contract and originally they dropped on the ERC ERC 165 they dropped on the old ERC they had to wrap them to get them onto the and now they're on now they're on that wrapped the ERC 721 sorry and you know you can wrap it on wrap it but now these are sitting at let me just take a look at the rough floor you know about I think 0.083 as a floor there are 3,500 wrapped strikers available. And these are, you know, look, they're very basic graphics, flat imagery, images of players that were in 2018 playing. So here's the play. I wouldn't necessarily run around buying the floor on this one, but obviously, look, you know, do your own homework. What I did was look at players that are likely to be on the roster for 2022, because this is essentially like their rookie card in terms of NFT land. And of course, you know, players like Messi um, and Ronaldo that are going for, you know, if I'm just going to pull up Messi, like, you know, if you have five ETH to burn, like, okay, I don't, because it breaks my rule. I'm not buying anything, one ETH. But, you know, these, these can be interesting. So the play is, again, look for and do a little research on players that are likely to still be able to be, on a roster in 2022 and, you know, go take a look at what those floors are. I've, I'm i now a huge... Do yeah. know more about soccer than us and want to hop into Discord and, and let us know. <laughs> we won't stop you. You know, if you have some insight into things that we may not know with these guys, we're not big, we're not real big uh, soccer fans, either one of us. So, you know, we're sort of 
we're sort of doing our research and guessing a little bit here, but we would also love some help. Yeah. And full disclosure, I became a huge Irving Lozano fan after I purchased one where I realized he's likely to be a, uh, a member of the 2022 for Mexico. So there you go. You know, he's a winger likely to be on the team. 26 years old, so he's not about to retire because there's like a lot of the Flores. I noticed a lot of goalies and a lot of people that are like going to retire. And I'm like, oh, I kind of want to see it play if there's going to be a secondary market for you. So that's why I'm saying like, be careful of the floor. And also, come on, one of you has to know about soccer. Go join our Discord. Help us like angles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm usually one of the people that doesn't know something about it. And apparently we've got two of us here. So that's not good. I played soccer, but yeah, not particularly well. Anyway, help. hopefully... That's some alpha for you. Again, none of this is financial advice because I'm talking about NFTs, right? Remember? All right. Our theme. Are we ready? CC zero, creative commons zero. You know, what does this mean for branding? What does this mean in general? And just to like start it off, CC zero is under the creative commons concept of no rights reserved, allowing scientists, educators, artists, whoever they want, the owners, basically full license to use whatever they want and it's the you know the most free open classification of the system so that's the starting point it, the question is is it a good thing or a bad thing for projects to be adopting this yeah it's been a big topic lately i guess ip in general has been a big topic lately since since yuga's takeover of larva labs and you know while it's not necessarily cc0 they did give the ip over to to the NFT holders immediately after they acquired that. So that had been a bigger issue. You know, I guess that is somewhat different than CC0, I believe. So the CC0 projects that I'm more familiar with are things like the Nouns DAO that we've talked about, or the Nouns put out by the Nouns DAO. Let's see, the Cryptodes by Super Gremlin. Uh, MFers, I think. MFers so. by Sartoshi. That's a, a newer project. That's uh, certainly been hot lately up over a three floor all of a sudden it's one that i looked at for a long time and really it was on I, your list for a long time and every time i check it it's a little bit more and it's a lot more than when i first started tracking that one but you know there are a lot of these cc zero projects getting more popular another one is crypto dick butts uh, sort of an odd <laughs> project but they so this is one what is interesting <laughs> is that they actually voted to become cc zero so it wasn't cc zero initially but the dow then voted to, to, to go CC zero. So when you do this, it, it gives rights. I mean, gives the, or gives the holders all rights to do whatever they want with the piece. So it is interesting. I don't know how we're going to see, we haven't seen a lot of brands use these assets yet that I know of, you know, we've talked about how board apes and some other projects, but primarily board apes are being used a lot in restaurants and more digital type of branding than than traditional branding. So you, know, I don't know how these are used. You know, one, I don't know how they're going to be used by well at this point. You know, I think a concern that I would have is that you're always linked to the other brands that are also using that IP uh, in some way. And, you know, that's, that can be good and that can be bad. I think, you know, in terms of brand building, uh, a traditional marketing mindset would say that it is bad for a brand to pollute and dilute its messaging, its cadence, its consistency, because the elements of brand rely on 
that type of like, you know what to expect when you pick up a Coke. You don't have a bunch of people running around with different formula in different ways, shaking it, opening it, cold, hot, like no, it's served a certain way. It has to be done like this. You don't see particularly, you know, running Disney running around with their IP being like, all right, and now Mickey Mouse is in a shoot 'em up. And now Mickey Mouse is over here. They have a very consistent brand strategy. Now, just because I can't at the top of my mind pick out and think of like an open source brand that has like done well, I can think of code platforms that have done this. I can't think of a brand which has to tap into tribal and cultural elements which require things. But just because it hasn't happened before doesn't mean it won't happen going forward. So I'm actually a little wary of projects that are like this. I think there's like an initial excitement about like, oh, the maximum potential. I don't know if that's how you build a brand over time. Yeah, I think it's interesting that to think, you know, that it has to be, there has to be some sort of commonality among these brands. You know, why are they related? And, you know, that's tough, you know, but I guess the the successful brands that do use these will find I think we'll find a way to, to bring that out. You know, they, there is some, you know, we've talked a bit about how projects seem to be sort of targeting different groups much more specifically now, and it's not here, NFT world, here's what, here's the project and it, it's getting more specific. So I think, you know, if you can start thinking about the holders as having some sort of common identity of some sort, you know, you can start thinking about how the brand can be used if it's you know, then there's different parts that kind of go along with that. And there's this community that, you know, that needs, you know, different parts to it, you know, whether I, you know, I don't know exactly what that may be, but let's even just say that it, it's a group that is particularly into, to web development. And then you'll have, you know, a, a brand that is doing hosting and a brand that's doing marketing and, you know, different brands that are all related to this. I could see that working out. And, you know, I, I think it would take some time for that to, to really sort out because as, you know, as we know, at this point, there's a lot of people in projects, not at all for, I don't know, for the, the sort of target or for the reasons that, that they may be, that the, the project is set out to set out for, maybe I'm not saying that right, but there's a lot of people in projects for the money at this point. And if they're not there for other reasons, then, you know, it's going to be hard for that identity to come through. So, you know, I don't know. I'm wary of how that could be used, but I could also see a way that it could be successful in the right situation. I look at, and I have this note here, the perils of uh, the cartoon Pepe, which, you know, I don't think it was a CC zero, but essentially was taken. This is the, you know, frog created by an artist that essentially was taken over, unfortunately, by a, you know, white nationalist movement for, you know, just sort of very racist and just sad and appropriate usages of the, the image of Pepe. And, you know, they, the artist tried to claim it back by rewriting and trying to do it. But the point here is that who's to say that one, just one ape or just one fill in the blank falls in the hands of somebody that's like, you know what? This is going to be the new face of white national. This, you know, punk with a, you know, a scalped head. Perfect. That's our new mascot. And suddenly it's plastered everywhere, becomes synonymous, the ideology of the people that choose to use it. I think there is, there's risk there. Yeah, I think that's a pretty far, pretty extreme example to warrant <laughs> not to do something. Maybe. I mean, I think there's a number of things that could happen before then and, and to distance a project from that. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I think there's going to be brands that do this successfully. I think 
you know, even looking at the, the branding around the bored and hungry restaurant, I think they certainly have the right idea. And I could definitely see people that aren't necessarily into the bored ape on a culture still seeing that and thinking, all right, well, that looks like something familiar with. I've seen these kinds of images around and it's a burger. And that is, you know, that's also the kind of thing that does, it's a relatively mass appeal item. So it's not necessarily going to a specific target. I could see something like that working. I don't, you know, I don't know what other brands start using these well. You know, we haven't seen it yet. There is a lot of talk about the value of it. I think we also maybe have to start rethinking, you know, what it means to be building brands. You know, it's, as we know, that personalities now have their own brands. And I think it's a lot of, you know, you can buy a PFP of a specific project and essentially buy a lot of followers by by making that your PFP, engaging with them. And, you know, that can help build a brand of a sort. And it's, you know, maybe it's not the traditional logo, the type of branding that we're thinking of, but maybe just being part of a community, connecting with these different communities and finding ways in there that you're maybe integrating it into projects in different ways. You know, we saw how the, the Board Apes other side video used some of these, these projects and, you know, some of them weren't CCs or, but they were using the they were using assets like the cryptodes and like nouns in their video. And you could definitely see these being used by other projects in a way that broadens the, broadens the appeal, broadens the market, broadens the viewership of these assets. And, you know, I think that's a good thing in general. Most people haven't seen these still. Yeah. And, and inside of a project, it's kind of interesting. It's like story within a story where you get a certain type of trait, for example, the hoodie becoming its own little micro brand inside of there and then like that meaning something different and so even just categories of traits become it i think though you know i feel like we're i'm much more questioning of the longevity of a brand to sustain over time because i think i'm more a classic marketer maybe in that mindset and i think of the difference between you know if you could have one franchise star trek or star wars which one would you choose you would likely choose star wars because merch alone is ridiculous. The brand is tight. They have a consistent thing, though don't watch the first three, obviously, as everyone knows. But they have, you know, really cultivate, you know, all of the myth, the lore, the legend, the merch, the attractions, the rides. And then you look at something like Star Trek, which just sort of randomly throws darts at Picard's, has obviously its generation from a TV series, but like was licensed to different groups along the way, which just tore the brand to different storylines and arcs just freaking randomly and it's like beginning to try to tie together but you realize when you don't have that consistent drumbeat of narrative of like here's where we are here's where we're going here's our sort of belief system as mapped out that it, it can be it can be hard yeah yeah absolutely I, I see the two sides of that you know i don't know i don't know i don't think there's a clean answer here like it, it, whether it's good or bad i think there's definitely going to be people brands that do this well and there's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be some issues that's coming up as well as, you know, as we see all the time, there's, I don't know, there's something new every day in, in NFTs and how they affect and how one thing affects other parts of the ecosystem. I would say one counter to my narrative actually is the net effect of attention. There's no substitute for the type of attention over time that simply builds recognition and familiarity. And what I see growing with board apes is that it is one of opulence exclusivity a little bit of degen as the sort of mascot of what the the whole movement is and every time it shows up on everything from a wrapper to a hamburger to a 
television show as they're like potentially licensing out for movies, who knows? It all sort of just adds to the attention engine behind the asset. And maybe it's a broader idea that just sort of grows because there's a bunch of, you know, rising tide of everyone sort of doing their own marketing thing. And it's just like, all right, everyone's just going to lift up because everyone keeps seeing it and everyone keeps identifying. So maybe that works. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason that people attach themselves to different PFP images and, and, you know, want to sort of ride these, these waves of attention and there are ways to do, and I think promote a brand over time and maybe it does shift, but you know, as we know, marketing has, it's always shifting and, and this, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like in this NFT world. We've talked a little bit about how things are shifting, but I, you know, I don't think that it's that anyone knows exactly how it's going to play out. Yeah. I, I do subscribe to the immutable truth of attention though, and they will have that as long as new money and new marketing initiatives keep being just getting pushed behind these things. And that's the upside probably of brand building, open creative commons. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've, we did everything on this topic. Yeah. I think we solved it. Another problem taken care of everybody. Don't worry. All right. Good luck, Andrew. See you out there. All right. Good one, George. This has been an episode of the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs. The episode notes and resources may be found at 3ANFT.com in our show notes. Again, 3ANFT.com. And that reminder, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. Remember, we are not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something.